0: In the meantime just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files it's free to join patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something special
1: the police procedural side of things for me is the trickiest because obviously it's not a role i've ever done so i actually have a retired murder detective um, here in the uk who advises authors on their plot lines, which is super helpful. So it's something actually even before I begin the writing process, I kind of run the main ideas through him um, just to check they're plausible, check how it would work with Ellen, for example, going out to the island. You know, how much backup would she need? Would it be plausible perhaps that someone wouldn't be able to get to her? How would they make priority calls? So he's on hand to answer questions.
0: And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times, the number one Sunday Times bestselling author, Sarah Pierce, spoke to me about Agatha Christie's legacy, how to write plausible police procedurals, and the place that inspired her latest, The Retreat. Sarah is the author of The Sanatorium, her stunning crime fiction debut, instant New York Times and international bestseller, as well as a Reese's Book Club selection and critical success. Her second novel, The Retreat, is book two in her bestselling Detective Ellen Warner series and another locked room style thriller People Magazine called The Shining, but with a full house. New York Times bestselling author Ashley Audrain said of the book, Sarah has expertly crafted another eerie atmospheric thriller that will have you looking over your shoulder as you read. Sarah studied English literature and creative writing at the University of Warwick before completing a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism and has worked in marketing and PR. In this file, Sarah and I discussed the best writing advice she ever received, how this writer mom wrote a bestseller on maternity leave, what mind maps and natural descriptions can do for your setting, the best way to conquer your nerves and win the day, her thoughts on rejection, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published, and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by New York Times bestselling author Sarah Pierce is joining us. I believe that Sarah is overseas. Is that correct?
1: That's right. I'm um, over in the UK um, in Devon, which is kind of Southwest England right on the coast.
0: Absolutely. So I, I understand that you grew up in that area. And of course, it's apropos given that your latest is set there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I kind of was sort of born and brought up here and then kind of traveled away a little bit. I lived in Switzerland for a while and London and kind of various places around the UK, but kind of came back when I had my family. And yeah, the next book, The Retreat, is set here.
0: Amazing, amazing. It's getting quite a bit of critical acclaim and some amazing reviews. Congrats on the latest. And I can't wait to talk about The Retreat, of course, and all um, all of the work that went into it. Yeah, I'd love to talk about your circuitous path to uh, <laughs> best-selling thriller and, and crime writer. Talk a little bit about yeah the the early days, kind of before you became a best-selling author. You know your your interesting um, time spent in the mountains, and of course, then uh, I understand that you um, kind of worked in, in mm. advertising and marketing. Um, but yeah, talk yeah. a little bit about your your path.
1: Yeah, so kind of just a very small sort of potted summary of sort of my early years. Probably like most kind of authors, I was a bit of a voracious reader. And I think probably I always wanted to be um, an author. I can kind of even remember saying I'd love to be a writer when I grow up, but I think it's not something you really think about till you kind of get to university stage and i was i was one of the sort of first students on um, an english and creative writing degree course at a university uh here in the uk called warwick um and it was quite an experimental sort of program having sort of english literature as the sort of major and then you sort of study creative writing alongside it and that was probably my first foray i suppose into taking my writing seriously Mm. it was quite a tough process we were often required to kind of write pieces of short fiction or poetry um, On really short notice. So it would kind of be, we'd sit down and say, right, you've got to write this piece um, inspired by X. And then often we'd sort of um, have each other critique the piece. Um, So Mm -hmm. that was a kind of great sort of fray, I suppose, into the writing process and sort of learning to get feedback. I think we developed a tough skin quite quite quickly. Um, And then I think one of the pieces of advice that kind of stuck with me on the writing course, my tutor very much said, you know, don't worry if you feel like you aren't able to write right now, go off and kind of live life, you know, experience different jobs, travel um, and kind of see where that takes you in the writing. And I think that took quite a lot of pressure off. So, yeah, I kind of work in sort of a corporate sort of organisation doing sort of PR for sort of household brands. So sort of always kind of working with words, hmm. which I kind of never really moved away from. Um, But I suppose it was only really when I actually sort of was on maternity leave, which lots of people sort of say is quite odd saying, how did you have time to write? But I think Mm. it was probably the first time I had headspace that wasn't taken up with the day job. Um, And I think probably most new parents can kind of recognise you kind of want that little bit of space and time carved out just for you. Um, And my writing became my sanctuary, I suppose. So my daughter Mm. would nap. She'd have a long lunchtime nap and I'd start to write. So um, I started writing short fiction. So slightly different genre to the one I'm writing in now, Um, but I kind of got pieces sort of published in in magazines. And there's a great magazine here in the UK for female writers called Mislexia, um, Hmm. which is sort of judged by other sort of authors. And then the pieces are published. And I had a piece of short fiction published there. And I kind of for the first time thought maybe I could sort of write that novel soon. Yeah. And then kind of I'd had sort of experience with my role living in Switzerland and always wanted to sort of set a book in the mountains. I found them something something very raw and dramatic and, and really quite beautiful about them. Um, but I didn't really have the seed of the idea for what would become the sanatorium till I kind of went on holiday with my family. And there was a magazine sort of describing the legacy of sanatoria in the Alps and how they mm-hmm. often in certain resorts kickstarted sort of tourism. Um, and I knew I'd found the idea and the idea for a thriller. So yeah, I kind of sort of my writing journey led to that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the rest of is history. Of course, The Retreat is your second novel. And it yeah. is part of uh, a series now that's building. So talk a little bit about kind of the impetus to revisit the main character, of course, and then mm. kind of the threads from your debut, which was a just a critically... An incredibly well received and and incredibly popular debut um, to now and kind of how you're feeling about the evolution of your your, uh, (laughs) career and your process.
1: Yeah, I think when I started writing sort of Ellen as a character, she'd probably appeared in sort of various pieces of short fiction um, Mm -hmm. that I'd been writing as a character. And she was someone that I knew I kind of wanted to sort of go on a journey with. And I think in the sanatorium, we meet her at quite an interesting place in her career for a detective. I think usually we kind of meet the detective, perhaps when they're on the sort of down and out or kind of, you know, mid case. But yeah, for Ellen, she's sort of on a career break. So she's not actually working. And I think kind of you have her as a character in the sanatorium, really sort of exploring whether she wants to go back into her role. um, And yeah, how she sort of, I suppose, how she fits in the world as a person with her family and in her relationships. And I think I knew in the retreat, I wanted to sort of continue that story and have her sort of evolve as a person and for the readers to kind of go on that journey with her, I suppose. Um, and yeah, in book three, we kind of see sort of very much the evolution of her as a person and sort of the narrative threads, which have been sort of set up almost as like a secondary sort of plot in the sanatorium and the retreat. That's going to be sort of tied up within book three.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you can't, can't uh, talk about that one quite yet. Um, but that's exciting to hear that that you're probably already in the in the midst of the creation of Book 3.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am right now.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I want to talk o- about the process. But yeah, let's talk about the retreat. And it's, uh, of course, set in a, a setting that you are quite familiar with and, and love there. Um, but talk a little bit about this luxury retreat where the book is set and then yeah, kind of some of the inspiration that went into this, this marvelous setting.
1: Yeah, the kind of the book is set on um, on an island, which is based actually on an island that's kind of very close to where I live. Um, the island uh, near where I live is sort of very, very kind of quite close to the mainland, you can kind of mm-hmm. kayak out to it. But the, the island in the novel is set a little bit sort of further out um yeah not so easily accessible by boat kind of like a 20 minute journey um and we have this luxe retreat which has actually been designed by ellen's boyfriend will who we met in the sanatorium who's an architect um and yeah i'm kind of very much sort of playing with the idea that sort of i also use in the sanatorium the idea of these sort of luxe places or even sort of very new places that can't quite shrug off their past mm-hmm. um and the island has quite a rich history it was kind of once home to a sort of a serial killer once home to a sort of boarding school for boys which is actually inspired again by something that yeah is very local to us not on the island but yeah uh, a few streets down Um, the idea of these sort of institutions I suppose fascinate me Um, and they're kind of brought together on this island and Ellen's boyfriend Will is very much trying to sort of reimagine the island um, and I think we kind of see at the beginning the idea that he very much wants to forget that past and just create this sort of brand new thing but I think Ellen's very aware that, yeah, the past is always knocking, I suppose.
0: You know, the, the idea of tapping into kind of the history of these, you know, obviously these ancient sites that, you know, for for hundreds or even thousands of years have been used for, you know, who knows what, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, of kind of rekindling these myths or um, folklore to kind of dot the new with the old, you know, it, it kind of brings into question a lot about kind of almost... you know, um, kind of the Instagram tourism itself. And of course you talk a little (laughs) bit about, um, environmental concerns that go into kind of, you know, developing these, these ancient and, um, kind of, uh, you know, at times we consider them like haunted, you know, haunted (laughs) places that, you know, we probably should, should be leaving alone or, or,
1: at least in some
0: place, uh, recognizing as sacred or something, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the sanatorium, I kind of played with this sort of design feature, I suppose, of the sanatorium, which was sort of these clear glass boxes where you had kind of elements from the sanatorium's past kind of suspended there, sort of medical implements and instruments. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, as you say, kind of tapping into that sort of Insta idea of someone kind of coming along, oh, that makes a neat idea. I'll take a photo of it without really stopping to think kind of about the past of of that place. And one of the things I'm genuinely fascinated by is sort of repurposed buildings. Um, And yeah, the idea that kind of the energy of what has gone before might still be lingering. Um, And I think that idea haunts me and definitely haunts the characters within my book. Yeah, I'm genuinely fascinated by that idea. And I've definitely felt vibes in certain places. There's a castle very close to where we live that's sort of rumoured to be haunted. And it definitely has an odd feeling about it. Yeah.
0: Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, Writer's Happy Hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on um i think someone had called it this shining with a full house <laughs> yeah. and i've actually been to in that hotel oh my um gosh, wh- yeah. where the where the shining actually was you know where the Where the author had had chosen as the inspiration, so I think I think Stephen the the story goes that Stephen King had spent time at the hotel there. It's up it's up in a little mountain town called Estes Park, Colorado, and it's a big tourist town. But up on the hill is this old hotel, which you know may may have uh, at one time been a sanatorium. I don't remember the exact oh, history of it but it absolutely is is very you can you can walk around this hotel it's very creepy um but apparently he in in this one in this particular room i think it was room 217 um mm-hmm. the author had this horrible nightmare um <gasps> And I think to this day, that room is like, you know, it's booked out for like years because people want oh to God. go and, and stay there. And it definitely feels kind of haunted. But.
1: Yeah, I don't know whether <laughs> I would. Lots of people ask me, would you stay at the kind of building <laughs> you created in your mind? And I said, I know it sounds terrible. I lived there in my mind, but I would not stay there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not Sorry, sure I guys. want to stay in that room. <laughs> yeah, either. No,
1: no,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, so AJ Finn, a peer number one New York Times bestselling author, had said, if Sarah Pierce's sensational debut, *The Sanatorium*, summoned the dangerous spirits of Gothic storytellers past, her new novel, *The Retreat*, recalls the one-by-one nerve shredding of Agatha Christie at her darkest. <laughs> and you, you've mentioned Agatha Christie, of course, has set uh, some of her most famous work in the areas surrounding Devon. You know what? What inspired you to undertake the, as we're calling it, kind of the locked room mystery? And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just some of the, some of the legacy, I guess, of this particular yeah. genre.
1: Yeah, I think kind of living here. She kind of actually lived. Um... In a house kind of sort of 10 minutes from where I live. And her sort of holiday home was Greenway, which is again sort of in Torbay where I live. And yeah, lots of her books are kind of set locally. And it's, I think, probably for any author, kind of when you have a place that you sort of love so much and you're sort of naturally inspired by, I love books that kind of have a really strong setting, I suppose. And I think thrillers in particular that have kind of a setting that sort of becomes a character in its own right. And I think something Christy kind of does so well is kind of takes those settings and you kind of yeah you're there in your mind whether it's sort of abroad or in the uk one of her favorite books of mine is sort of dead man's folly which is actually kind of set at sort of a fictionalized version of her holiday home here in devon and Hmm. she conjures that sort of world of being by the river just yeah so so beautifully um and i think something yeah she does really well is having that kind of closed cast of characters and your suspicions are kind of constantly sort of shifting between them um Hmm. And I think even with a sort of larger cast, you kind of get to know the characters, some of them on a more superficial level, others a sort of deeper dive, but you get to know them well and understand their motivations. And she kind of creates plausible motivation, which I think can sometimes be a tricky thing. I think sometimes you'll often read where a character, you don't necessarily believe they do it for X or Y reason. And yeah, the sort of locked room idea really appeals to me because I love the idea you're putting kind of your characters in, and in sort of my case with Ellen, the detective, under a lot of tension. Um, by not having that kind of escape in the sanatorium, she's able to speak to the police on the phone, but they aren't able to reach her. You kind of are putting them under a whole sort of new level of tension, um, which I think Agatha Christie does really well to her uh, poor um, detectives of Poirot and, and Marple occasionally. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, congrats on the latest and its reception. Um, the uh, Library Journal and the Review called it a riveting, twisty page turner. And um, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of the research that went into the latest. I know you've talked about your kind of unique research process, and every um, like kind of crime writer has their own secret uh, sources, but talk a little bit about kind of some of the resources that you tap into before you really get into the writing process and you're really just kind of turning out pages?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I love, as I'm sort of mentioned, is a sort of around the setting. So I did a lot of sort of research into sort of um, local folklore and kind of hauntings in the area. Um, and yeah, one of the things I was interested in is this sort of, uh, as I mentioned before, the idea of the institution. And there was sort of lots of um, research I did online around the sort of uh, boarding school that existed very close to sort of where I live now, um, which was an institution for what they almost called naughty boys. So it was <laughs> boys that kind of couldn't fit into um, the sort of education system. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was shocked to sort of find, and I yeah red found amazing even threads on reddit around um kind of people um who'd been at the school and sort of what had happened there and i took a sort of really deep dive into 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 the archives as it were and found some amazing photographs as well but yeah it's, it's amazing what you can kind of find um via sort of intensive searching. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of my research is sort of physical as well. So I kind of go and explore the geography of a place and the setting. And I think very much for me here, it helps because I was born and brought up here. So I think lots of the description um, is very natural. But yeah, lots of research into sort of flora and fauna. um, And yeah, just really trying to sort of inhabit that environment. I kind of, as part of my research process, I sort of almost mentally map and will sometimes physically map things um, as I'm writing. Um, I think you need to kind of have that clear in your own mind in order to make that clear for the reader and I did the similar mm. thing with the with the sanatorium, so yeah, I kind of do a lot of sort of deep dive into the sort of historical side of things before I sort of even begin writing, which for me is sort of an essential part of the process
0: yeah and then you know the natural descriptions come through and then kind of the idea of place and and setting and then a, talk a little bit about the police procedural piece and kind of how you mm interweave some of the more technical elements of what what is actually going into the uh, into that part
1: the police procedural side of things for me is the trickiest because obviously it's not a role I've ever done so I actually have a retired murder detective um, here in the UK who advises authors on their plot lines which is super helpful so it's something actually even before I begin the writing process I kind of run the main ideas through him um, just cool. to check they're plausible check how it would work with Ellen, for example, going out to the island, you know, how much backup would she need? Would it be plausible, perhaps that someone wouldn't be able to get to her? How would they make priority calls? So he's Mm. on hand to answer questions. And then as I'm actually drafting the book, he's there just as an invaluable resource. So we'll often have phone calls, um, we'll have email kind of back and forth, he will often sort of write longer answers on email. So I have that and can refer to it in writing. So yeah, it's an essential part of the process. I know there are authors who are sort of were detectives, which can uh, streamline the process somewhat. But for, for, for me, it's a mm-hmm. sort of process of a lot of um, asking questions, really.
0: Well, it shines through in the work. Talk about the writing process itself and kind of, you know, how you're feeling about the reception of the latest and then how you are able to focus on writing <laughs> the,
1: ne-
0: the next edition uh, or the next in the series.
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. Kind of the reception of the latest, because I think when you have a debut, you have that kind of real magical sort of moment, I suppose, where no one kind of has read any of your work before. So mm-hmm. you're you're very new. There is kind of no reception, as it were. There's no expectations, and a lot of people have said, "Oh, the sanatorium was successful." You know, how are you feeling about the pressure? And I think I think the only way you can kind of um, sort of not block that out but it's just sort of focusing on the best book that you can write for you Mm. and for Mm -hmm. me the most enjoyable part of sort of being an author is sort of definitely the interaction with readers but also the writing process so I think the best way of kind of conquering any of those nerves is to sort of get going into actually writing and writing sort of an outline for the next book and then sort of thinking about that next book for me there's a lot of excitement that comes with that initial idea and sort of the research and kind of the deep sort of dive into detail in the in the plot for example which I tend to sort of work out loosely in advance um i know some authors don't but yeah I've, I've tried to sort of very much um compartmentalize the reception of this book while i'm thinking about the next which is the only way i can do it
0: <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help So let's talk about kind of like your best writing day, like when you're really getting into a flow state, when you've completed, you know, when, when you feel like you're ready to sit down and start, you know, really getting into the flow of things,
1: mm. What
0: it, what is like your best writing day look or kind of feel like? Can you kind of be a little bit evocative about like how a day like that feels for you?
1: Yeah, for me, absolutely. I kind of, I need to be alone. Um it makes me quite an anti social author but um yeah I need to be alone and kind of in silence and I really sort of my ideal day is kind of starting the day with sort of uh, a vast mug of coffee um and going for a walk for me I kind of need to exercise sort of first thing in the morning to sort of clear my head um I'm not someone that can sort of wake up and kind of get going into the writing and I like to know I have like an extended period of time ahead of me so if I know there's sort of interruptions and I've got to be involved in other stuff I find that quite distracting I just like to know I have that sort of day sort of laid out um and I kind of sit in sort of my little office area or in the bedroom where I have a desk set up um and I sit down there either with the blank page because I sometimes draft in notebook it's sort of between notebook and the laptop mm. um and yeah really sit and kind of focus on my own and in silence um we have some pets which can be challenging but um <laughs> as long as they sit down and uh, they're quiet but yeah that sort of flow states quite elusive like during lockdown it was um I don't know about in the US but here in the UK we were doing quite a lot of homeschooling um that was quite involved on behalf of the parents. So um mm-hmm. yeah it was quite hard to get to that stage. And for me the first draft is that stage where I need to be able to get into the state where I'm just not focusing on anything else. There's nothing else on my mind apart from the plot. And for me that takes a little while to get into. It's probably about an hour into the writing into the writing day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't always love what I write initially, but I think as you kind of the day evolves, you kind of get more involved in that scene or that character. And that's how it works. So yeah, during lockdown, that process wasn't great. So I'd say for me now, having sort of everybody out of the house and being able to focus is, is how I write best.
0: <laughs> so you're really leaning on the craft. And and of course, as I say, you can't edit a blank page. So um, it's always heartening to hear authors say that, you know, they're, they're tr- turning out some, some crappy first drafts <laughs> <laughs> yes. before they're really getting into the craft part of it. Because obviously you have to get into it somehow. I love that.
1: Yeah. And I think you're so hamstrung for me at the beginning. I think my biggest kind of advice, and I think it was only something I knew, which sounds a bit about face, but I think it's only something I knew after writing the first book um, is really just understanding that it doesn't have to be great first time. And I think particularly with short fiction, it's different. I, I was really strung up on getting kind of every sentence I wrote kind of perfect before I could move on. And I think now I've really learned, actually, like you say, the crafting part of it, even if you're just working something out involved with the plot initially, that's absolutely fine. Even if just that scene is you, you know, sketching out the plot and you don't love the the writing on a sentence level, that can Mm. come in the next draft. Um, And that really helped me move on with the retreat. I think, yeah, with the sanatorium, I kind of had the luxury of time and spent a lot of time crafting sentences that quite honestly were just struck out by my editor anyway and I wished I'd (laughs) I wished I'd um yeah I wished I'd kind of yeah just thought about kind of moving on a a little bit quicker interesting yeah I think you can really as an author get get hung up on that which isn't great
0: yeah well I'm sure you have family or kids that see you not writing and when you're (laughs) actually working right because part you know as you mentioned part of it is walking and part of it is is letting um you know, the the plot or the characters kind of develop in your mind. And so you're doing some of your brains doing some of that work for you in the background while you're doing mm-hmm. other things. And so I think, you know, this is why so many famous authors were big walkers and did, did the same as you, you know, would take long walks in the morning and then do the writing in the afternoon. Um, seems like a, a a kind of a familiar characteristic of, of well-known authors. I, I would be interested to know, actually, if Agatha Christie was a, a walker but she was certainly <laughs> yeah. in- incredibly prolific um do you see yourself going on to be a prolific uh thriller writer a prolific crime writer
1: yeah I, w- I would love to be but i don't know whether i'm someone that can do this sort of thriller every year um just purely because of sort of family commitments i think i really need time particularly on a sort of line level and craft to be able to edit um, and I know authors can, and I think it sort of depends on your personal circumstances, but yeah, I would love to be prolific, but I don't know whether I'm quite going to be a book a year, which I know a lot of authors are, mm. I'll see how it evolves, but yeah, I, I would love to be, I love writing thrillers, but yeah, also perhaps try my hands at, um, a different genre eventually, who knows?
0: <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, well, well, we'll look forward to, to whatever comes next and congrats again on the reception of the retreat. And uh, yeah, you've got to be looking forward to some of these events coming up. And of course, you're going to be promoting it on tour. um, So I hope you're feeling rested and ready for that adventure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I really am. It's actually, uh, like I kind of said at the beginning, it's a really nice change, actually, from sort of the editing process to sort of getting to the stage where the book is nearly out there or is out there and kind of being able to talk to people about it. That's a different sort of excitement in the author journey itself. So yeah, I'm sort of raring to go, which is good.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, congrats on the retreat, of course, book two um, with Detective Ellen Warner. And uh, before we wrap up, just kind of with your advice to your fellow scribes on how to persevere, uh, we'll give you a fun one. If you could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite restaurant in the world, it doesn't have to be a restaurant, to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take? Where would you take them? All expenses paid, of course.
1: <laughs> all expenses paid. Um yes. Gosh, could the, I take, the writer
0: files has a deep deep uh a deep, budget.
1: Deep. I could, have could, I could, time. could I take two? Could I take two? Or does it have to be one? Oh yes, of
0: course. You can take two. You can take as I, many as you like, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. I'll take a few. I've
0: had authors bring like a half a dozen crazy authors from, you know, all different time periods.
1: Yeah, gosh. Okay. So I'd have to obviously include Agatha. One of my main reasons would probably be I'd love to know what she's reading now and what she thinks think of all of the books that have kind of come in her wake. That's one thing which I constantly think about. What would she think of kind of the modern locked room mysteries? So yeah, I'd love to do that kind of over dinner. Actually... um, My sort of dream place would be, and I won't say it inspired the sanatorium because I don't want to kind of give bad press (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it's definitely not haunted, but there's a beautiful hotel high in the Swiss Alps at kind of 2,000, one, one, two meters actually. So very high. Mm. Um, And it's got the most beautiful restaurant kind of overlooking the mountains. So I take her there. And then I'd probably include um, one of my favorite short story writers, which is Tessa Hadley. Um, I just love her fiction. I love her novels. I love her short stories. Um, and I'd like to sort of pick apart her craft. Um, and then, yeah, one of my favorite sort of, um, thriller writers, um, is Michel Bussy, a French um, mm. author whose mm-hmm. books he writes about French, uh, territories or France themselves. And yeah, I'd love to see sort of which novels inspired him, um, how he goes about his craft. So yeah, that would be my sort of dream setup.
0: Very nice. Very nice. What would you order for the, uh, for the table?
1: order i think if it was switzerland we probably have to do the traditional one of the traditional valets and dish dishes which is raclette where you kind of shave the melted cheese off and it's kind of dripped over potato and things which is absolutely delicious mm. so um yeah it's kind of very <laughs> conducive like fondue to good conversation i think anything where you share is really nice i love it
0: i love it um cocktail
1: cocktail would have to be i don't know whether i do cocktail it would probably be gin and tonic so i love gins of all kind with really interesting tonic so yeah a gin and tonic of some description
0: (laughs) i just kind of made my mouth water it's a little early here but um
1: (laughs) to be honest it's the same when i mentioned it's quite a warm (laughs) a warm day here and i'm looking thinking could i
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know well uh maybe just your final kind of i don't know your pearl of wisdom for for aspiring or established authors on just how to keep
1: the faith. Yeah. I think is 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 really not to worry about rejection. I think um it's one of those kind of cliche things people say keep going, kind of keep persevering and I know like when I was writing you kind of feel sometimes oh it's easy to say when you're in the position of being published. But I kind of went through very much the sort of, you know, slush pile process of sending my novel out to authors and I genuinely believe when that story is kind of good enough and you have the plot, you have the characters, you believe in that book, your agent, you know, you're so you're sending out to agents initially, they will they will sort of find that story and you'll find your place kind of within the writing community. I really believe that if, if that book is good enough, it isn't a closed world open to only a select few. Um, keep in mind, it might not be that book, it might not be the second book, but you definitely will get there. Um, yeah, I think for me, that sort of perseverance is key.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom and your time and, uh, congrats on the retreat. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to chatting with you again in the future and, uh, definitely come back anytime.
1: Oh, brilliant. Thanks so much for having me on Kelton.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.